0: Hello, everyone. Um, I think people got me wrong about what's going on. I'm taking this time to get things finalized for a final session. Uh, It doesn't mean I'm pulling off. I'm posting other pastors as well, like Perry Stone's an evangelist. Uh, Derek Prince is one of the old timers. Uh, I'm looking to get Music online again, but as far as going in saying prophecy, I'm just letting prophecy fulfill itself I'm not going to be doing any more prophecy teaching um, The Bible is a prophecy in itself. I will say the things that are happening Everything I said matches the word and matches What's going on? and in the Jewish concept everything goes in cyclical order and one of the pastors i'm going to let you hear um besides drake will be perry stone i give credit where credit's due uh, he's very good at what he does i'm a hebrew roots movement teacher uh, one of the others is zola but, um, i occasionally do him i'm not doing him this month because it was nothing in the thing for any news outside of Israel. Um, Currently, Israel is in a tangle weave uh, with Biden. They want a two state solution. Russia doesn't support the two state solution. They, they back Israel Biden's biting her head off and said some things to Netanyahu, which was very racist and very Hitler oriented and then you got him wanting to make amends with Iran. And then there's a controversy going on with his son that his name shows up on some oil papers from our oil reserve to pay Iran off. Interesting that they're now calling for impeachment of every Democrat in House and Senate, including Biden and Kamala. And him being tied to his son and brother, this came out. I'm not going to say anything on what's going on with Trump. I'm just saying the news as it is. You can take it from there. Um, As far as what's going on in Israel right now, there's a possible war coming in along with Russia. Um, They're sending IDF troops over to Russia with Ukraine. Ukraine is trying to take Russia back over to build a new Stalingrad. Um, It's NWO inspired, um, from what I understand. They're now trying to take Russia's money away from them, which they have no right doing. um, And Putin's fighting, which is interesting. Um, And China is backing the new world order, or in this case, the um global entity interesting on the front you've got monkey pox shows up out of nowhere and people with monkeypox get a little scar in their arm that forms a star pattern that looks like a sn- snake interesting uh, most of these people that have that has had some kind of RFID chip put in them on their hand forehand or forehead interesting um i really don't know what to say but tomorrow i'll be doing some stuff that's now ready right. and it's ready outside right now and i'm kind of relaxed Take my glasses off um I'm not going to run a fighting celebrity contest. I'm not here to be a celebrity. I'm not here for money, wealth, or fame. I am going to do one thing. It's time for pastors and ministers. It's time for the lesser prophets. It's time for the general people to start standing on their two feet and fighting. I don't say that lightly. We are in the end times. We're looking to see the heavens come to earth. I see the spirit realm quite frequently. I've lived it all my life. It's not easy for a five-year-old to see a demon walk across the street in black mist or see a human with a black oar or death. It's not easy to see him manifest. And I'm not some crazy crackpot. I don't take drugs. I don't sit on the side of the street with schizophrenia like people think I am. I don't need help. Um, and I see angels just as well in physical form and physical items that we use every day. Uh, disappear and reappear. I've seen the father disappear and reappear. I've seen other human beings appear and disappear. Some people call them ghosts. Some people call them demons. Some people call them aliens. I call them entities from heaven. They're heavenly. Let me ask this question. The Bible says you'll be changing the twinkling of an eye. What do you think a twinkling of an eye yes. that is? Right? It's less than 0. 0. 0. 0. 0.0.0.03 seconds or less. That's a twinkle. It's like seeing the sun and it traveling one light year per second to your eye and back. And yes, I'm using science to explain a twinkle. It says a body would be changed. We all are appointed a death, of course. But what if that death is like going into the spirit realm and coming back with eternal nature or immortal nature or or ethereal nature, as some explain it to be, or heavenly. That's what ethereal is. The word... Ishno in Tibetan means ethereal. That's the Christian Tibetan Jews. Ishno. Hebrew use is ruh. Christians use heavenly or immortal in Roman terms. It says twinkling. That's just less than a blink of an eye. I've witnessed events in my hometown dealing with people, them being there one minute, physically, and then all of a sudden come back through, papers laying on the ground. Items around those papers being around them and nobody being there. I've seen entities materialize on forklifts over at vertex, then disappear and then watching these items run back and forth being drove. I've heard Satan or Shitan talk in thunder and lightning. I hear him in music or what they call the Python spirit. If you go back to Indonesian culture in Hindu, there is a creature with seven heads, 10 horns. Each horn has a crown. Most people think Satan is a dragon. It's not. It's a snake entity. It has a female male nature. You have Lilith or in most cases Yazreel or Jazreel and then you have female or Lucifer in English. They are one entity that makes Satan. That's how Adam and Eve in Hebrew context was begotten. It's how homosexuality started. It's how bisexuality started. It's how lesbianism started. And they are known in many cultures as Ishtar and Moloch, Balaam uh, and, and many other names, including Diana they are gods in egypt it was isis and osiris um and i'm going through historical references um, these entities are known as egyptian entities in exodus um, and i'll do a mindful reading and translation of exodus later uh, I know by the father teaching me mindly that uh, his wisdom, there's deeper wisdom in the word, the mysteries. Many of my Gentile brethren are only touching lightly those mysteries. Which is interesting I carry a doctorate and I study history and I compare history to what is in literature. There is. The written straight word, there's a spiritual essence of the word, and there's the literal intent. The literal intent and spiritual go hand in hand. Where you translate names, where you translate numbers, where you do all that to figure out prophecy. Then there's also prophecy rolling, which is what many call whacking My grandfather used to do whacking And then you've got Gematria, and I'm using Hebrew Gematria, there's also Christian Gematria that is buried in the Bible. So you see the underline of the Hebrew is just as well as a regular Bible. Um, There is a female entity in the Bible that resembles the male entity, which is Yahuwah or Elohim, or in the Jewish context, we use both names, Yahshua, Yahuwah, or Yahuwah, Yeshua. He's a male, and then there's a female entity that's referred to as the bride. You've got to go back to understand it, you've got to go back and read the context, and then go within the books, like Esther, Exodus, and others, to understand what the whole context of the underlying spiritual history, matching the repeating of the physical history. I come out of the Davidic line, or the line of David, and I come out of the direct line of John the Revelator, which was a brother to Jesus. Um, there'll be a lot of things we'll discuss, I'm just you a roll down of things, I posted Derek Prince, which is talking about certain things going on. Uh, The next post will be Perry Stone. I'll be recording him and giving him credit where credit's due. I want you to hear him for the underground, uh, and I do underground constantly. I want to post it so Perry is conserved. Uh, There's a lot going on with Facebook right now. A lot of pastors are being blocked on Facebook, Um, a lot of pulling off of Facebook and going other routes. Uh, in about another week, I'll be down in Instagram. Uh, I'll be strictly staying to Telegram, LinkedIn, and Tumblr. I won't be doing Instagram much longer. Uh, it's linked to Facebook, and they're having issues with that. I also do Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. I encourage you, if you have Instagram or LinkedIn, Move over to LinkedIn if you're a businessman. If you're not, go to Twitter. Uh, Elon's real good. Uh, I'll also be doing YouTube again in a couple weeks, for my final run or so. Right now, I'm posting pastors. Pastors are reaching the call. I post them with prophets. I'm not going to be doing any more prophecy willing. I've told you everything you need to know. Um, I'm explaining my life as a believer, what I see, um, when you think about shared a fire or will within a will described by Isaiah and also described by Jeremiah and then also described by, how do I put it lightly? The greatest prophet ever known Ezekiel. Um, there's also another one, very well known in the Davidic times as seen it as well. Uh, but your main one was Ezekiel and Isaiah. They describe what they've seen of the throne room of God. They describe what the will within a will is. The will within a will is a time. We use a modern wheel in a wheel, a wheel within a wheel in a car, a wheel within a wheel on a bicycle. But this was a wheel within a wheel that runs fire in heaven. It's a chariot. What if I told you that same principle that we drive on land, that's in ships, that is in airplanes, that cranks with gasoline and other forms of motor is what the father drives in. And I've seen it. And I know it. It's not alien. And it bridges between two worlds. I think I was a crackpot or crazy. But yet we have a wheel within a wheel that has supersonic speed, but yet stealth. It's still bummer b2 bummer it covers nearly all my house one wing but yeah it's so big it takes a launch pad on ground level to launch it you can't run it on a ship even a nuclear ship you can't launch it my car for example has a stealth system in it it also runs car electronics Interesting. Interesting, I should say that. Quite calm. Quite beautiful to this evening. I'm enjoying myself. Not been on video for a year because I've been holding back. I've seen a lot and heard a lot. I could put my window down, which I've got it down in the evenings. I hear the rumblings of hell on Earth from the center of the Earth, the darkest place you could be, the abyss, I hear it in the environment. I'm describing my world since I was a child. I've had angels and I have seen demons as a child. I've had people criticize me. I've had people ostracize me for my gift. I consider it a gift. I want others to have that gift. And I put up sacrifices for that. I've seen real real. or Yazreel is her name. Jasriel means beauty, but inside it's not beautiful. Her modern context, she wears a bouffant hairstyle. Very slinky clothes, very cunning, very devious. She likes to tempt. She has a serpent attitude. Lucifer's no different, or Chanel with some neck, I call him. He has curly hair, short to ears, wears a beard. And is just as pissy piss as any man I've ever seen. He wears a dagger with a serpent on it with wings. Chinese serpent. And he tries to change your thoughts and feelings on belief. And I challenged him. I says Christianity and Judaism are not, especially Nazarite or Messianicism, is not uh, an occult. He tried to tell me in physical form that Christianity and uh, was no different than any other Pagan religion. And I looked at the guy that he presented himself as, as a fool. Then he tried to get me to leave my husband and get in bed with him. I don't think so, I don't do that. I wouldn't even go and screw another man, let alone do that. Same way with Jazreal, the two peas in a pod. Join them together, they form a nice serpent with seven heads, with the woman sitting on the serpent, the demon itself, as a spirit as in physical. Right now, we have a man that has a hissy priss as I call it in the White House, with another hissy priss beside him. This man, which I talked about, literally goes up to children, sniffing children's hair. If it was my child, that man would have his teeth decked. I don't care how old he is. I had a guy do it to me before. i deck him and knock the teeth right down his throat. You keep your hands off my children, they say. I don't have children myself, but I wouldn't let any pedophile touch it. And that's what we got in the White House. A pedophile, ladies and gentlemen. A pedophile. Take a man with a 10-year-old child sniffing its hair in front of a camera. And I don't have to prove what this intern so-called president is and what they've done. I don't believe anything you tell me on CNN, nor MSNBC, nor CBS. I don't believe in any of it. I don't even believe Huffington Post two quarters of the time.
1: them, I'm their enemy.
0: They are my enemy and I despise my enemy for the lies they tell. I look at what's in the White House as being the Antichrist. To me, he's anti everything that I believe in. I believe in the rights of life. I believe that I'm born. I believe that a woman has a right to make her own contraceptive decision. If she can't have that child, there's other people more willing to adopt that child. Yet I'm being told I have to kill a full blown fetus out of my body or in this case, what they think is a parasite. In most cases in their body, I have to kill it outside the room as a newborn child. And yet they want to force their decision on me. Yet their shot proof in check is causing debilitative issues with children in South Africa. It's killed women in Israel, causing miscarriages, Pfizer and them. And they've not answered for it. I I won't take any more shots. I did Moderna. I did my time. I'm not doing any more boosters. Don't need it. I wish them well. They're boosters. And for those that think that I should go to work to support them as a slave, I have a job. My job is my home. Thank you. I'm not going to any job that is going to put a needle in my arm. Neither am I moving to South South LA or anywhere else. I'm staying put till things take their course. With COVID, Omicron, and all these other variants coming out that by the way is a bioweapon. Heard my no one will tell me that I have to throw my Bible away or my word away because they want me to, nor my family. I have two ailing adults in here. I can well take care of them. I take care of all the needs of them both dearly. But I put the Father above, first of all. what I'm doing here. For it is written that Yeshua come to save those that are lost. He writes His word on our hearts and minds, even the Torah or the law. You can't have one without the other. Many teach that The old is done away with. It's not really. It still applies today as it did 2,000 years ago. The only difference is it's written in life, blood, on the Ark of the Covenant. Not many people realize that. I'm living proof that Yeshua, or Jesus Christ, existed. He had AB blood, AB blood, A negative B recessive. Without my B recessive blood, I'd be a hemophiliac. I have Asperger syndrome. I have dyslexia, dyschuria, dysgraphia with it. I have cystic fibrosis with cardiac asthma, which I live a normal healthy life. Uh, I enjoy life. I'm not going back on the medications. I'm not going to another hospital. And that's absolutely necessary. And I enjoy what I've got. Yes, I might have one leg that occasionally imps. I might get a thorn in my foot and it hurt. I'm thankful for the life I have. Mercy. I'm blessed. That's what a true blessing is, is living day to day. Many teach prosperity. You can't have prosperity with obedience involved. Yet I know a few that want things their way. Instead of doing obedience, they hate other people with intolerance. I don't see that. I've experienced intolerance all my life with albinism. And I do have albinism. I have ocular os, albinism. I have to wear glasses. But go out in the sun, I have to wear some kind of sunblock. I used to wear what they call card block. Card block or Kelvin is made out of soot for the skin. It also covers certain things that I have from military standing. I quit wearing it if I get burnt too much on my skin I get cancer very easy my hair has to be bleached if it's not bleached and I have any melanin in it it falls out I have a head of hair the size of my hand and I have to keep it at a certain pace I've noticed over the years with agonism, my hair is thin I'm losing my teeth because of albinism and opioid addiction. And not very many people understand that nowadays. I'm only one of 30,000 people in the United States that have albinism. You also have albinos linked into that. Albinism is a little different than albinoism. Um, albinos or albino are solid white skin they can't even get outside They're it's just like looking at a vampire in a vampire movie with red eyes they're rare it's usually interbreeding albinism is also breeding but both parents have to have albinism and both my parents had it my father had afro-american and Native Asian cultural descent, no words, Inuit. They also had some more. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna cut here and do another one. All right, but what I was saying is, Tin has been in the church for quite a while. I've had everything thrown at me from the word kike to the N word. I'm not a slave. I'm not a slave. I'm free. But yet, believers' freedoms are being dwindled down. Even in other countries, like China, they're being mass-murdered or put in concentration camps. we got a man that believes in this. I'm going to stop there. And... Get Perry Stone's recording. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna do a whole hour of his recordings. I got two that I will download. I've got saved. Uh, I give kudos to Perry, I love him as a brother and sister. Like me, he's a high roller. I don't declare myself a high roller, I don't even get donations. I've not gotten anything. Um, I live a low income lifestyle. I've had many times I've called out for help. Nobody helps me but the father himself. He's guided me through every step of my ministry. I've been called a liar, a skate. I've been called a lot of things in these days and times. And I'm not any of that. I've even had things happen to me that you can't believe in the last few months. I've been hit with people actually trying to commit murder on my life. Even people that has murdered other people have shown up in my hometown after me. Even Antifa tried to get me thrown in jail over me ministering online. I even run a church out because they listen to certain people in Antifa. I forgive the pastors and whatever in that church because they deal with rum parsley and not like rum parsley. I didn't go to Ron's conference because I thought it was improper to do so. Because I felt unwelcome. I'm not going somewhere where there's people that criticize people. And I've had criticism all my life. It has nothing to do with bite back spirits or depressive spirits or this, that, or the other, nothing. I respect the view and I'll keep my distance, run my own ministry from home. Um, People want to come after I got it. Took care of by all means. I'll pray with them, pray to the Father for healing, and go on. But I'm not going to be in a church setting. I'll visit the church, offer my support, and go on my way. My prayer house is more important. Matter of fact, I'm getting ready here in a few moments to. Take care of what I need to take care of with the school to get my prayer house in order for Monday. Um, I'm going on my own. Okay, I'm gonna cut. Get Perry Stone up for you guys. Give him the credit where credits due. I love you. Pray for Israel. Pray for Jerusalem. Pray for the war in Ukraine and Russia. Pray that Iran doesn't come in because they're threatening nuclear holocaust. And pray that we get through this term with a president that is so maniacal, most maniacal group I've ever seen in my entire life. I just pray that the Father come quickly. Come quickly. I do not. Come quickly. Um, anyway, you're hearing my dogs outside. I'm going to say adieu. I love you and good blessings to all, whatever they might be, with obedience and goodwill. And I'm going to say, love Yahoo with all your mind, heart, mind, and soul, for he's the Father. And love your neighbor as a self. These are the two most fundamental life-changing. Even Yahshua, Yahuwah, taught them. when He was on earth and he's the father. Understand, the compass is the father, the son, the Holy Spirit, or the Ruach, and then the name. It's important. Many forget to call on the blood of the name of the salvation itself. I'm not fighting. I don't need to fight. Mm-hmm. I've earned mm-hmm. my place in heaven, whatever it might be. I've been given white stone. That white stone has my Hebrew name on it, Mahaya Hadassah Yaloma. I feel good. Very good. I love you guys. This is Mickey Aristar signing off. Pray for the people that we love. I'm not going to say pray for the interim president. He doesn't deserve prayers. I love you guys. May prophecy fulfill itself. May your lives have prophecy of love and granted happiness and blessing. And I love you guys. And keep up towards inspiring others to awaken. I love you. Goodbye. And I'll pray for things as well.
1: Well, I have a very interesting thought and a subject for today's Manifest Telecast, and I hope that you watch all of it. As a matter of fact, let me just give you a word here. It's important that even after the teaching ends that you keep watching because we always have something special to present to you, that helps keep manifest coming to you around the world. So please always remember that. Don't just cut it off when the program. ends. We need you to continue to stand with us. We're thankful for many of you that have done that for 22 years now. Anyway, my subject today is why is all hell breaking loose? I know that you've heard this phrase used when people have gone through a series of attacks that just keep piling on and piling on and one after the other nonstop. And they'll say, man, hell, is breaking loose. So it's kind of a phrase that we use that deals with a massive amount of trouble that seems to be coming all at once. Now, in line with the idea of hell breaking loose, let me just say something to you. One of the words that you also hear people talk about often is chaos. There is so much chaos in the world. And I did a study on the word chaos, because I thought, you know, that's a very, very interesting word. And found that if you take it from the Greek, you take the Greek word chaos, it comes out of the word abyss or abusos, which is the word used in Revelation 9 for the bottomless pit. Now, in the bottomless pit are these very strange creatures, demonic creatures. And if you haven't seen my teaching on the Pazuzu spirit, you need to look that up on my YouTube channel. It's very fascinating. But the bottomless pit is a place that is emptiness. It's a place of darkness. And so chaos is kind of connected to that. In the book of Genesis, there was uh, Genesis 1, 1 in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And there's a Hebrew word there used that implies that it was perfect. And then in verse 2, darkness is upon the face of the deep uh, and the spirit of God moves upon the face of the water. So there's this chaos in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. And then God brings light out of chaos in Genesis 1 in verse 3. Another word that is often found uh, in, in Greek, History or Greek mythology more than anything else, but it also is a word used in the Greek language in Second Peter two and four for hell is the Greek word Tartarus, and uh, it is the place where the lowest part of hell in the earth, where fallen angels according to the Bible are now bound. So all of this darkness and uh, and just uh, you know death and darkness and chaos, it's all connected with that word that we find used today for chaos. Now, there's seven levels of utter chaos taking place. Number one, and the scriptures will come up on the screen on a lot of these, is the chaos that I call political chaos. And when you see the political chaos i mean you see nation rising against nation you see kingdom rising against kingdom and jesus predicted that that's going to happen just political chaos and also we could also say wars and rumors of wars are connected to political chaos the second level of chaos is moral chaos now the scripture says that uh, paul wrote that in the last days men would give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils so false teaching and seducing spirits, seducing people is connected to what I call the moral chaos, spiritual chaos, and I said spiritual, I but you have political chaos, moral chaos, spiritual chaos. The Bible says, uh, Paul wrote in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, that in the last days there would come this falling away first and the Greek word falling away, there's two words there in Greek, it's one word apostasia, and it means, it can mean a revolt or a defection from the truth, which absolutely, we are in globally right now. There's a fourth level of chaos. The fourth level is what I call family chaos. Jesus made a statement, a very strange statement in Matthew 10. He said, there will come a time when a man's enemies, and the King James says foes, will be those within his own household. And you see divisions of divorce between a husband and wife. You see children that are at odds with one another. You see a lot of confusion in the family. There's a fifth level of chaos, chaos which is economic chaos. You know, and James, if you read the entire verse, is very interesting because he says, how you rich men, for you have heaped up wealth for the last days, but it shall become a canker and be spoken against you. And so there's gonna be this economic chaos in the last days, there's global chaos. And one of the verses I use when it comes to global chaos is Luke 21 and uh, verse 25, where Jesus says in the last days, there would be perplexity of nations. And one of the translations said this, that there would be such confusion that the nations would not know how to get out of the trouble that they are in. There is another level of chaos. I'm gonna go ahead and say this because it's, it's true and it's the stock market chaos. And that's one that, you know, the American stock market, as most of you know, affects the stock markets all the way around the world. When we rise, the others seem to do well. If we really drop, the others seem to drop. And so, you read this verse in, in Luke twenty one twenty six. So you talk about the seven levels of chaos that we see around us. Now we understand what Jesus meant when he said this, that men's hearts would fail them in the last days for fear of looking after those things which are coming to pass on the earth. Not just what they're seeing, what they are hearing. And this is why Jesus told us to take heed to what we see, take heed to what we hear, because what you hear many times can be based on not information or not revelation, but on speculation. If it's based on revelation, it comes from the Holy Spirit. If it's based on information, it's a compilation of men's knowledge. If it's based on speculation, it's based on opinion. And I watch people many times get caught up not in the revelation of what God said, but they get caught up in the speculation of what men say. And so a lot of fear is created by uh, different things they are hearing men say. You know, there's, I mean, we got through COVID, now there's this, this weird thing called monkeypox. So it seems like you go from one thing, we get over there, oh, here comes another one. You get over there, oh, here comes another one. And you know, it's a pig flu, it's a bird flu, uh, it's, a, it's a bat flu, it's a monkey disease, I mean, Jesus even, I'm sorry, the book of Revelation even says that there would be things that would happen that would cause men's death by the beast of the field. And these are the animals. You see, all these viruses, uh, sometimes diseases or viruses can come from the animal kingdom. Well, having said that, let me just give, share some things with you that are very important. One thing is this. That, that the Apostle Paul has made it very, very clear already in 2 Timothy 3 and 1, know this also that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now, we don't use the word perilous much. We say troubling times will come, difficult times will come. Perilous is an older word that the old timers would use, and it was used commonly at the time when the Bible was translated. But the word perilous, I looked it up in the Greek, and it means dangerous, dangerous fierce or reducing of strength. So what happens is this, that the chaos that's being created reduces our strength. Now, remember this, the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah 8 and 10 says this, is your strength. So if our joy is attacked by speculation and by man-made information that brings fear, then what happens is our strength is reduced. So per, when we talk about this word perilous times, We're talking about a time when people would become so physically tired, who am I talking to now? Raise your hands at home. So physically tired and so physically weak that they would be unable to stand like they want to stand or stand as they did in the earlier days. Now, I wanted to say something here and I'm saying this uh, based on uh, some word studies. If you read in uh, Matthew chapter 8.22, where it talks about that these two demon-possessed men came toward Jesus and they were possessed by thousands of demons, the scripture says, and they were exceeding fierce. That phrase in the King James translation, exceeding fierce in the Greek is the same word, same Greek word used in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 1 for the word perilous. So the times that we live in are gonna be treacherous. They're gonna be difficult. It's gonna be a tax to try to reduce our strength. And when you read 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse one, here's what you'll discover. You can read that list from your Bible and there are 17 individual things that Paul said would be occurring in the last days that people would be experiencing. And if you, if you were to have all those things listed among those 17 things in the Bible, if you had all that listed, you would be in extreme chaos and extreme perilous times. And one of the things the Lord does when hell starts breaking loose is many times it comes in seasons. In other words, you'll have an attack, you have to endure that, but then God will give you a break. You'll have an attack and then God will give you a break. But there are times when just like with Job in Job chapter one and chapter two, the Lord allows something to come and it extends for months and months and months and months. Now that's a difficult thing to understand why but always go to the end of the book of Job and read where when he prayed for his friends and he did the right thing and they put a sacrifice on the altar, God turned the captivity of Job and blessed him with twice as much in the end as he had in the beginning. So we always have to keep our eyes on the end of something and not just the beginning or the process of the beginning of an assault or an attack or an ambush. And and we've seen those, uh, you have to go to when it ends. And God, there's always, according to James, an end for the Lord for you in the situations that you're dealing with. I wanna give you that encouraging word. So the, the big question is, why then or is hell just breaking loose the way it is? Now, there have been seasons all through world history, whether it was World War I, World War II, whether it was the Holocaust, whatever, there's been seasons in history where hell has broke loose. It just seems like all the powers of the enemy, all the principalities, all the demonic spirits are just focused in one area. I'll give you an example. If you were to live in the Ukraine right now, you would feel like that hell has broken loose in a level that you probably have never seen since the previous wars of generations ago. I mean, when we talk about in America going through tribulation, these precious people are already going through tribulation, lost their homes, their goods, their possessions uh, deaths, murders, all this terrible things that's going on in the, in the Ukraine. And we've been on TV in the Ukraine for quite some time and we just pray for those brothers. And we also, you know, we also know that that there are many people in Russia who are people who don't want to see this happening, but their, their voices silenced or because of the news media, they're not able to give their opinions. But anyway, we just see chaos as the bottom line, whether it's there or other parts of the world. In Revelation 12 and 12, it says this. Satan is going to one day be cast out of heaven. Now he's already been, there's three, let, me, let me explain this. There's three heavens and that's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. There's the first heaven where the clouds are. That's about from the earth up 60 miles, the atmospheric heaven. There's a second heaven from the top of those clouds, atmosphere where you leave the atmosphere of earth and you go to the sun, moon and stars. That's the second heaven. But then there is what is beyond the stars. Isaiah chapter 14 mentions this and that is the third heaven and where the second and third begin and end is difficult for us to say because we've never been able to look out in the universe that far god dwells in the third heaven angels of god are in the third heaven christ the high priest is in the third heaven the second heaven is where satan and the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness rule and man in genesis is given dominion on the first heaven of where the birds are and and the animals are the flying birds so man has Dominion of the first, Satan, dominion of the second, God, dominion of the third. Notice that God sits a whole lot higher than the devil does and man does, think about that. Now, Satan will one day be cast out of heaven by Michael, the archangel. When Satan is cast out of heaven, he comes to the earth. And I'm gonna read this to you. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and you that dwell therein, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath knowing or because he knows he has, but a short time. Now, when you begin to read in Revelation 12, where Satan comes down with great wrath, you then see the beginning of the last 42 months of the great tribulation period, where the cataclysmic judgments are going on, where mystery Babylon is destroyed in one hour. I mean, you see this volcanoes erupting, people are dying by the hundreds of thousands or actually millions. And it's partially because Satan has come down with great wrath knowing he has but a short time. Now the bottom line is that woe to the earth because that's where most people are living. Woe to the sea because in scripture there'll be tsunamis, there'll be a third of the ships that'll be destroyed. And by the way, the reason it's woe to the sea is those ships are not just military ships, they are cargo and freight ships carrying goods to different parts of the world. They're destroyed. One third totally wiped out. Well, what's that gonna to do to the food supply? Think about that. Now, Satan's anger has increased, I believe, because he understands the Bible. He can quote scripture. He proved that when he was tempting Jesus in Matthew chapter four, he quoted from Psalms 91. He didn't quote it all, because if he kept quoting, It would predict how the dragon is put underneath the feet and that would have predicted his defeat. He didn't want to quote that to Jesus. He left that out, okay? But think about this. When the Holocaust took place, it was Satan's final attempt to totally annihilate the Jewish people that God has covenant with for the land of Israel and stop the process of Israel being restored as a nation because Christ could have never returned. This is a fact. Until Israel was first a nation again. And you can read that in the prophecies of the Old New Testament, especially the Old Testament, and he could never have returned until the Jewish people were in possession of the land. Now, that's a fact. Now, I know I've got friends that live in the Middle East and they're not necessarily totally happy about that, but learn to get along because the people are not going anywhere. If they have a covenant with God, how can you can't destroy a covenant that God makes. Now, you can break a covenant, you can disobey a covenant, humans can, But the Bible said, my covenant will I not change nor alter the thing that's come out of my mouth. So there you have it. So when the Holocaust did not totally succeed in annihilating all the Jewish people, it took out one third and the book of Zechariah said a third would would go through the fire. That means two thirds would come out. And so we know that God spared the nation of Israel. Number two. Communism ruled parts of the world for 70 years, and then it began to fall. And when it began to collapse, it allowed churches and the gospel to come in. And that was a second sign because Matthew twenty four fourteen said, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached throughout all the world, then the end would come. And so when we went from television, black and white television, to color television, to cable, to satellite, to internet, And now you can access preaching from your telephone. They're saying one day you'll have glasses on and you'll be sit there and watch a program with your glasses. Just click a button. That's coming. It indicates to Satan that his time is running out. And just as John said in the book of Revelation, he said that when Satan comes down and he's cast out of heaven, he will come down with great wrath, knowing he has but a short time. It's interesting because if you look at the short time, it's 42 months. So God gives him 42 months. How how long did Jesus minister? 42 months. And so the Antichrist is going to be given the same amount of time, 42 months, that Jesus Christ ministered, and then God is going to cut him off. And, and, And so there's... There's some things I could say there about except the days be short and no flesh would be saved and get into all that. But that would probably sidetrack me from my subject. Now, I've only got a little bit of time left. Now, I believe that if Satan has an agenda right now, and he does, it's several parts. Number one is to keep people in darkness. And the way he keeps them in darkness is to keep keeping them away from the preaching of the gospel, which the Bible says is light. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a light to mankind. Jesus is the light of the world, and the light expels the darkness. The second thing I would like to say, and I do believe this, is Satan is doing his best to kill people, to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his goal, John 10, 10. But to physically kill people before they have an opportunity of turning to the Lord and repenting. Now, mom and dad and grandma and granddad, I want you to hear me for a moment because this is very important. If you have children or grandchildren that absolutely refuse to hear the gospel, I suggest to find something, a subject that they're interested in. A lot of people are interested in life after death and what happens when you die. Life after death experience. Okay, find something that they will read that is based on scripture. Find a DVD that they will watch. Find a documentary they will watch. I'm gonna tell you another thing that's just very true, and that is this, a lot of people really are interested in prophecy. Our ministry is reaching more people right now, despite attacks of the enemy that we've had. You know, I've had these things for 45 years of just attack on this, attack on that. We're used to it because it comes with the territory of being a leader in the body of Christ nowadays. But we're having the greatest results in the history of our ministry right now. I'm telling you all the way around. It's it's actually a God thing, it's amazing. But I also know something, and that is this, that the enemy, our older people who have been the prayer base of most of our churches are going to be with the Lord. But God is raising up a praying generation that understands the power of prayer. So we have to counter these attacks of hell breaking loose by a couple things, number one, is by getting in the word and when we're in bad situations, go to the Psalms, especially the Proverbs and just feed yourself that continually. Number two is learning how to pray and pray in the spirit. Now we have world prayer at six o'clock to seven o'clock East Coast time, every Thursday live world prayer that you can join us at our live world prayer. And I have different people leading that because I'm not always there all the time, but people are praying, you can pray for one hour with us. Jesus said, could you not tarry an hour and you can do that with us on a Thursday. The third thing, it's not just reading the Bible, it's not just prayer, but my Father taught me the significance of praying in the Spirit or what the Bible called praying in the Holy Ghost or what contemporary ministers call praying in the prayer language of the Spirit. Because Romans 8 says, we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit of God will make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, I don't know if you've ever been heavy and burdened, and you just didn't know what to pray. And you're like, oh, God, help me. Oh. You know, it's, just, it's almost like if, if you see someone go to a funeral, they just groan. They have no words for their sorrow. So we have to use these, these tools, these weapons that Christ gave us. And in the last days, one of the biggest things that you have to understand, and you see this in the book of Revelation mentioned, you see this in Matthew 24 also mentioned, is being able to endure until the end. Now, enduring to the end can mean enduring till the test is over. It can also mean enduring to the end until the coming of the Lord, or it can be enduring to the end until you leave this world. Any way you cut it, you're going to have to learn to endure. And one of the words endure can mean to bear up under a weight. All the chaos, being able to bear up under it. Now, remember this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the fourth thing I will tell you, and I suggest this, I play music. Sometimes it's not music with words. It's just music all day long. When I'm studying and reading and preparing messages, I play music. And it, re- it releases the mind. It releases the spirit. It refreshes you. And, and David played a harp. And even demonic spirits departed from King Saul when David played the harp. So here's what I think you need to do. I think you need to take these things I'm telling you, jot them down, you know, replay this if you have it recorded and jot these things down. And don't just talk about praying, pray. Don't just talk about fasting, fast. Don't just talk about worshiping, worship. And find a good church and a good group of people to fellowship with because that's gonna be very important in these last days. I have something I wanna get in your hands. Now, this is important. I'm not playing with you on this. This is important. Watch this and watch the end because I always have some special announcements at the end. God bless you. Our new offer is one of the most important prophetic teachings in the history of Manifest. Hebrew expert Bill Cloud and I teamed up on this 10-hour teaching to unlock the mysteries concealed in Israel's seven festivals. This album has 11 DVDs that are 21 30-minute lessons. They include illustrated messages and charts and pictures to enhance the details of the research. On the first DVD, I explain God's seven appointed festivals, along with God's prophetic calendar. Bill Cloud then shows you a complete Passover Seder and explains the mystery of unleavened bread, unlocking its prophetic purpose, including the revelation of the Messiah. I then follow up taking you on a journey to illustrate the prophetic layers found in the Festival of Firstfruits. Bill presents the 4th festival dealing with the powerful significance of Pentecost and its impact upon us today. On DVD number 6, I will explain the three fall festivals and how they are yet to be fulfilled, showing how trumpets and the different shofar sounds on that day encrypt the mystery of Christ's return for His bride and the resurrection of the dead in Christ. Then I explained the biblical and ancient temple rituals of the sixth festival, Yom Kippur, and how they detail the great tribulation judgments yet to come. On DVD number 9, see Bill Cloud set up a sukkah walking you step by step through the practical and prophetic meaning of Israel's seventh festival, also known as the Seasons of Our Joy. Among the live audience, the most talked about DVD was Lesson Number 10, where I examine Israel's three biblical harvest cycles that prophetically concealed the rapture, the tribulation, and the millennial kingdom through the festival harvest patterns of ancient Israel. The 11th and final DVD will stir your spirit as I reveal God's plan to restore His glory to the earth in these last days. This teaching introduces to the viewer unique Hebrew word studies, fresh biblical insight, unusual Jewish customs, and exciting prophetic truth helping you to understand the future according to God's festival calendar. It was preached before a live audience of ministry partners, and this teaching was originally designed as a Perry Stone Bill Cloud ISO Bible course that normally is $150. However, right now you can receive the 11 DVDs as a limited time offer in an album for your donation of $75 or more. To order your set, go online at perrystone.org call toll-free 1-888-21-BREAD or write the ministry and send your donation of $75 or more to Perry Stone P.O. Box 3595, Cleveland, Tennessee, 37320. Now remember, when writing or calling, use offer number 11-DVD-101. Help keep Manifest on the air. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Folks, it's a great joy to always bring the Manifest telecast to you. I hope that you'll watch all of it and here's the reason why i can't tell you the many times i've gone into a city to minister and people would say oh we watch you all the time we never miss a program we didn't know you were here and i'm thinking to myself if you would have watched all of the program for 28 uh, minutes and 30 seconds i come on at the end and often tell you where I'm going to be ministering. And I, I just kind of say, well, you know, if you'd watch the whole thing, and they say, well, that's true, I cut it off right after you preach. So don't cut it off right after I preach, because that, you know, you might miss a resource that you need or somewhere that uh, you may want to be. But anyway, this is absolutely unbelievable. Bill Cloud and I got together. Bill is a Hebrew expert, and I've studied the Hebraic thing since 1985. And we did a seven festivals of Israel teaching. And I'm gonna tell you something, there was such revelation that came out of here that I didn't even know. And then revelation that God gave me as I began to research. Uh, I'm talking about going to ancient documents. It's incredible. So this is uh, 11 DVDs with Bill and I teaching different subjects of the seven festivals of Israel. Please get this. Uh, we're only gonna make it available for I think one more week this week and next week and then we're gonna, that's that's gonna be the end of it So get this if you can't please and let me just also mention to all of you watching that we have I don't know I think it's 725,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel, but we have as many which is about 700,000 who are not subscribed, but they will come and check out things from time to time and of course different subjects uh, interest different people So if you live outside of the United States and you you get the Manifest Telecast, I want you to subscribe to the Perry Stone YouTube channel so that you will know when we produce new videos. We produce two new uh, YouTube videos a week along with the Manifest Telecast, which is also aired that way. And so this is a way that we're able to keep up with more people in more areas. I appreciate the many wonderful Christian stations that we're on. We ask you to always stand with and support the Christian stations as well, but help keep Manifest on the air. If you like the Manifest Telecast, you may want to send just a donation in as God leads you to say, Perry, this is for airtime uh, for the Manifest Telecast. I think our airtime, I may be wrong on this, is probably about $5 million a year across the uh, United States and the world where the program is aired. And so that comes, that's why resource material helps pay for that and of course your gifts as well. So thank you for that. Don't forget Louisville, Kentucky coming up in July. Looking forward to seeing many of our partners and friends there. God bless you. Perry Stone invites you to join him for his 2022 Israel tour. The dates are November 20th through the 29th with an optional visit to Petra in the country of Jordan. Call 1-888-321-3629 or visit perrystone.org for more information and how to register. Seating is limited, so call today. started because I wanted to, to do a, a a prophetic update. And I felt like that this was a good day to do this with everything that's going on. And I want to start with something called the doomsday clock. After world war II, there was a group of men. Uh, some of them were scholars. Some of them were scientists that came up with something, which is called the doomsday clock. It actually, they started it in 1947. And in 1947, the reason they did this clock was to count down based on a midnight hour, the likelihood of a complete global catastrophe. Now, there was a day when that clock was about five minutes before midnight. Then there was a day it went to four minutes before midnight. Then there was a time it went to three, I think at the Gulf War, if I'm not mistaken, it may have went to three minutes before midnight. They have reset the clock to 100 seconds before midnight. And if you know anything about that, that's one minute and 40 seconds before the clock strikes 12. What fascinates me about this clock is the idea that it focuses on the time of midnight being the end. So that's why they set it at midnight. Midnight means, man, the global crisis has now happened or is in the process of taking place. The reason this is interesting is there's a parable which Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 25 of the virgins, and you remember they were all sleeping, and then it says at midnight the call came, behold, the bridegroom is coming, make yourself ready. And so when you talk about prophetically the midnight hour, you're talking about the time frame when Christ returns and the time frame after Christ returns that leads to the tribulation period. Because if you'll remember. Five foolish virgins were not allowed in the wedding. They are on the outside, the door is closed, and the five wise are inside the wedding, which shows you there's going to be a division between those who are wise following the Lord and those who are not following him. So the reason I take this idea of a clock is to start this teaching by talking about how the Greeks looked at time and how they looked at history. The Greeks looked at something called cyclical history. That time itself would move in at what's called a complete circle. In other words, it starts here, it goes into a 180 and then back toward the 360, and it ends the way it started. And when you look at Scripture, it's very interesting because the Greeks introduced time, and they introduced it as a series of events that have a cyclical stream that repeat themselves in history. And those of you that's ever followed our ministry know that Ecclesiastes uh, chapter one nine and ten, I talk about this quite a bit. The thing which has been is that which shall be; that which has been done is that which shall be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. And chapter. verse 15 of Ecclesiastes emphasizes that again. And so the idea is that if we want to understand what's going to happen in the future, there will be something in the past that will give you an indicator of what is going to take place. And it's called cyclical cycles or cyclical streams or cyclical history where seasons will repeat themselves. Now we know that in the cosmic heavens that you know how there is a rotation. The earth rotates, 24 hours makes a day, 360 days around the sun make a year. And then what does it do? It starts all over again. It repeats itself. And just like there's 24 hours and you get up and you got another 24 hours. Next day you get up, there's another. So that's, that's how the cosmos or the sun, moon, and stars um, are involved with what we call secular history. Why do you think that in the Torah, when it talks about the festivals of Israel, it will tell you that on the first month, the 14th day, and do this every year, the first month, the 14th day. Yom Kippur is the 10th day of the seventh month or the month of Tishrei. Every year on the 10th day of the seventh month, every year you repeat Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. So God set things, things up with Israel and the patterns of the festivals and put them in cyclical cycles uh, based on the sun and the moon and the stars. Of course, most of you know this, that uh, Israel's emblem of the heaven would be the moon because so many pagans in the time of ancient Israel were worshiping the sun and even the stars. So God did that for a specific reason to prove to all of you here that this cyclical time, this idea of history repeating itself is accurate. All you have to do is go to the first two chapters of the Bible and then go to the last two chapters of the Bible, because when you go to the first two chapters of the Bible, there is no sin. In the last two chapters, which is Revelation 21 and 22, there is no sin. In the beginning, there's no death, those first two chapters. In the last two chapters, there's no death. In the first two chapters, there's no sickness or pain. In the last two chapters, there's no sickness and pain. In the first two chapters, Satan is not present. In the last two chapters, Satan has been bound in the lake of fire. He's no longer present. In the first two chapters, God is walking with man. In the last two chapters, the lamb is in the midst of the city. Hallelujah. With the people of God. And everything, if I can say it this way, it's re- it's it's restoring paradise man is in the garden of eden right here. Let's just look at, let's use the number 12 on the clock. He's in the garden of Eden. He sins. Then we go all the way around, all the way around, all the way around, full circle, full circle back to that starting point. So the, the paradise of Eden is going to be restored during the time of the new heaven and the new earth when everything is renovated with fire. So this is one of the best examples that I can give you. Now, I want you to, I want you to follow what I'm going to show you. This is a little nugget. I hope you can grasp it. And I hope I can share it with you the way that the Lord gave it to me. Now watch carefully before, now this is, we're going to go back to Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, right? Before the creation of Adam, before the creation of paradise, before the creation of Eden, what happened in the book of Genesis? Here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here, Here it is. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Scholars call that the chaotic earth. There's a real mystery behind it. Some say, and I believe this, that the fall of Satan took place between Genesis 1 and 2, and it was the fall of Lucifer, and God had to create hell that created the chaos of verse 2. Then in verse 3, God says what? Let there be light, and there was light. And yet light's not created till the fourth day. So who, what's this mysterious light that begins to shine? Well, that was the glory of the Lord through Christ. We know that from John, that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the, the light shined in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. That was, that was, the, that, that was the Messiah, so to speak. And even the rabbinical scholars point that, point that out, a picture of the Messiah. Now watch this, before Eden, the perfection of Eden, the perfection of the garden, the perfection of a, of a tree of life happened, there was what? Darkness upon the face of the deep, chaos on the earth, and God brought light out of the chaos to create Eden. Now, if history is going to repeat itself and we're headed eventually to a new heaven and a new earth, what has to happen? Darkness has to be on the earth, darkness has to be covering the earth, chaos has to be on the earth, and then the Messiah has to return. To straighten it all out. That's the return of the Lord. So you can see here that this pattern is extremely interesting. So my point is that great darkness, even Isaiah talks about the time of the end and he says, great darkness will cover the earth. So this great darkness is coming before a kingdom of peace, the kingdom of the Messiah, revelation 20 verses one through four can be set up on the earth. Now I found something interesting. i always knew this, but I I didn't, I want to try to put this together for you. There was a Greek poet that was very well known by the name of uh, Hesiod and and he lived at 700 BC when he wrote what I'm about to tell you. He said that there would be four epics of human development in four different ages. And when I read this to you, I want you to remember that this was written, this was actually written a 100 years before Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. This was written and known because this was a very famous writer, Greek writer, 100 years before Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. Nebuchadnezzar ruled Babylon somewhere around uh, 605, the date I wrote down is to about 562 B.C. Now, scholars use B.C.E., but it confuses people because we've talked about B.C. and A.D. so long. That's why I go with the simple term. Here he is this greek poet said there would be an epic of gold then of silver then of brass then of iron and that human development would go into these four stages now as he writes this and greek poets and philosophers studied this of course for years what did he mean by this are we in the golden age when do we go to the silver age King Nebuchadnezzar then in Daniel chapter 2 has a dream. And in this dream, let's go to the image. Give me a wide shot of this image over here. In this dream, and they, by the way, all of, my, all of Pam's friends that don't understand prophecy call him Nebi. <laughs> so we'll just call him Nebi. <laughs> Pam knows who I'm talking about. Sylvia, who's going to probably watch this. Okay, Sylvia, this is for you. Nebuchadnezzar said, now remember what the Greek poet said. It's the same order here. But Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, this troubling dream, and the head is gold, and then it moves from gold to a chest and arms of silver. Then it comes down to hips of brass. Then it leads into two legs of iron. And this is where we're gonna go in a minute because I'm gonna show you something really interesting that I've never taught before. Now that's saying something after 46 years never teaching it before because I never saw it before. All right woo! that made me that made a chill go up and down my spine. Just saying that right there then in the end of days There's two feet that are a mix of iron and clay now the 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 word used in Daniel is miry clay, which is a wet clay Okay, if you have a wet clay It doesn't harden right? You have iron and so it says it doesn't mix or it doesn't mingle and that's because it's miry it's wet what does it mean i'll tell you in a minute so this is the image now let me just if you've not seen this before tell you the interpretation of what these metals represent and the reason why the head of gold as you know was babylon and god said to daniel to nebuchadnezzar you are the head of gold Babylon did everything economically with gold. Remember, they had all the gold from the Jewish temple. They had all the gold treasures. They had invaded territories, and gold was the big thing in Babylon. Now, the the second kingdom was the Medes and the Persians. That's why there's two arms on this image. One is the Medes. The other is the Persians. But notice, it's not gold. It's silver. Why? because the Persian empire began to collect their taxes in silver. They even had silver harnesses on their horses. So silver became a metal, which was used economically. See gold was used economically by the Babylonians, but then silver began to be used by the uh, Medes and Persians. So the Medes and Persians, they have their time frame of which to rule. And then a man by the name of Alexander the Great comes and Alexander the Great, is known by brass. Now, Alexander the Great, because we have a lot of his coins, some will be in the museum, some will be, will be selling down in the future, but his coins were made of silver. He began to mint silver coins that were very popular and had mints set up all over, not, it wasn't the Roman Empire, but over the Grecian Empire. However, he began to tap into the use of bronze in the use of swords and spears for the military. So he was a, Alexander the Great was a military genius. And he overthrew 30,000 Greek soldiers, overthrew 1 million Persian soldiers at a river. That's the kind of soldiers this man had. And he invented spears that were longer than other people's spears. So when the, when the armies would come, they, they pull those spears out. And here was an extension that nobody, I mean, there's just all sorts of things he did. All right. So he, now, so the Babylonians come and the Medes and Persians take the Babylonians over. The Medes and Persians come and the Greeks take them over and form an empire. Now, by the way, the Babylonians ruled from Babylon. The Medes and Persians ruled from Babylon. And Alexander the Great died in Babylon. So there's a connection here to Babylon with all of these until you get to these two legs that are pure iron and the legs begin to split. Now these legs, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here because I'm going to, I'm going to go and read this to you in a moment. But these legs of iron are what are extremely, extremely important because here's the reason why we're going to show you historically how these legs of iron have always been a division between the east and the west. The East and West division has been here all the way back in the time of the Roman Empire. Then we're going to take you to the two feet. And the two feet start, I think, about 1917. I'm going to show you why. Then we're going to go into the Ten Toes. And this is eventually where things are going to end up. With these 10 toes. Now, how do we know all of this? Because we have to read the prophecy. So, I'm going to go to the seventh chapter of the book of Daniel, and I will remind you of something, and I don't want you to forget this, and I'm going to say this up front now so you won't forget this that these this east and west leg of the roman empire goes into the east and west feet of the roman empire which means that five major nations that the antichrist will rule will be eastern nations and five nations he's going to rule will be western nations and this is where this east west is going to continue all the way up to the return of the lord and we're going to go, we're going to we're going to go into that in a minute now here's what the scripture says in Daniel chapter seven, the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces. Please understand, notice what he said, and shatters everything. Hello. <laughs> breaks in pieces and shatters everything that crushes. The kingdom will break in pieces and crush all others, whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. Now remember potter's clay is what? To form a pot, to form pottery, you need, they use water, right? They put the water on it. They keep it soft till they put it in the kiln where they harden it. So please understand this. This is a part that it never evaded me. I just never paid attention. This is wet clay. There's a reason that it's wet. Hopefully we'll get into that. The kingdom should be divided. And yet the strength of iron will be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay, and as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom will be partly strong and partly fragile. Partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, now this is important, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another. In other words, the kings are gonna get men, common people we call them, involved, but the common people are not gonna be mingling with the political leaders. I'm gonna let that sink in, okay? what What will the political leaders of the time of the end be doing? The answer is hardness, war, fighting, stirring fighting. SO WHAT THEY DO, THEY DIVIDE THE KINGDOM. THE KINGDOM IS DIVIDED. IT'S STRONG IN THAT THE POLITICAL LEADERS CONTROL THE IRON. IT'S WEAK IN THAT THE COMMON PEOPLE ARE THE CLAY. STAY WITH ME. ARE YOU, are you STILL HERE? SAY yes. YES. JUST AS IRON IS NOT MIXED WITH CLAY. NOW THIS IS THE PART THAT I HAVE. THIS IS MY FAVORITE PART OF THIS VERSE. IN THE DAYS OF THESE KINGS, I FEEL THE ANOINTING RIGHT NOW. <laughs> shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. In the days of these kings. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. That's why Paul in Romans said in Romans, I'm sorry. In Hebrews 12, there's a shaking coming of not only the heavens, but the earth. But then he says, we have a kingdom which cannot be shaken. That's why the gates of hell attacks the church, but the gates of hell cannot overcome the church. let Let me park right here for a minute. I am absolutely just... It's unbelievable to me how people go on internet sites or they do interviews and we don't go to church anywhere. You know, we're we have our own ecclesia at home. You're not a personal ecclesia to sit in your apartment, drink a sip in your coffee and doing a Bible study and skip in the house of God. The Bible says so much more gather together as you see the day of the Lord approaching because you need the fellowship, the strength and the prayer of other believers. You're not an island, you're not an island to yourself. And see, I want to be a part of something hell can't prevail against. I feel like I could dance right there. My Lord, seriously, if hell can't prevail against it, put me in the middle of it. Hallelujah. All right. I want to look, first of all, at these iron legs. And I want to show you from Daniel 2 what Daniel is talking about when he talks about how iron crushes, iron bruises, and the iron causes people to scatter now we come to these two legs and we know from history because we've we've been through this who these two legs are these these two legs are the roman empire and the roman empire existed before the time of christ all right it was a roman republic and then it became an imperial roman empire under emperors and caesars but we know that it starts before the birth of Christ. when christ is born The Romans are occupying the promised land. When Christ is ministering, the Romans are occupying the promised land. When Paul is preaching, the Romans are occupying not only the promised land, but much of the land around the Mediterranean. So what happens is this. You have one section of the Roman Empire, which was known as Rome, Italy and it was under the direction, if you go back, look, in the first century, second century, third century, you had emperors. And I'm not gonna go through all the emperors. For 300 years, those emperors, uh, 10 of them, created very serious persecution against Christians. It's known as, in history, the 10 persecutions and nero started the persecution and nero was the emperor of rome at the time of the early church and the time of the apostle paul it was nero who ordered paul to be beheaded they also believe it was nero and there's not there's not as much history on this part we do we do know the history of paul from just church history but peter was also ordered to be executed by uh, in Rome according to the church traditions that we have. He was crucified upside down. You've probably heard Fox's Book of Martyrs talk about how Peter was crucified because the tradition of the church said that he said, I'm not cru- worthy to be crucified like my Lord, so they crucified him in an upside-down position. I can't even imagine. you know, The crucifixion is bad enough, much less being in that position and dying in that position. He just said he wasn't worthy to be crucified as the Lord. Now, Here's where the story gets interesting. And I'm not going to go into the decline of the Western Roman Empire. Taxation and corruption in politics. And this is crazy. The senators at the end of Rome got so mad they started hiring people to assassinate the other guy. Now they do it now with their mouth. Yet people assassinate people today with their mouth. They don't use a gun. That way they can, act, they can do it spiritually. Oh, the Lord told me. Oh, hallelujah. God told me. No. no, God God don't tell you to wreck anybody's life. That is not of God. That's carnality of pure flesh. It's demonic to be. You want to go to James? It's demonic and carnal. All right. Now, are you still here? Say yes. yes. Watch what happens. So then the Roman Empire begins to collapse and it gets invaded by 10 dramatic tribes. So what we call Western Rome collapses, not by, not really by a battle or by a war, because it just starts falling apart from within Constantine the Great. They call him Constantine the Great legalized Christianity. He stopped the Christian persecutions and things began to switch. Now, what happened is Constantine the Great went over to what we today call Turkey, and he formed a city that would be called Constantinople which today would be the city of Istanbul, Turkey. And he formed an empire that would be called, uh, actually it was known as Byzantium at first, and then Constantinople was the name of the the city he built. But that became known as the Byzantine Empire. And it became known as, it was, watch, it was a continuation of the Roman Empire, but it was the Eastern branch of the Roman Empire. And what the Byzantines did, which was very smart. They began to mint gold coins. And one of the most popular coins that you'll ever buy if, if you're a collector is to buy a Byzantine gold uh, solidus, which is a coin, they, they minted many coins. They minted silver coins, but they really uh, minted those real thin, beautiful gold coins with the images of, some, some of them had the image of Jesus, but the emperors and the different leaders of the Byzantine empire. So the Byzantine empire was known as a Christian empire based on the Christian faith. But what happened, now stay with because here's where it gets interesting. However, the Roman Empire, although it politically collapsed began to be reorganized through the Roman Catholic Church. Catholic simply means universal. It's not a denomination. It simply means the universal church. When you say Catholic, that's what it means, Someone universal Christianity. So then what began to happen was you had popes that were in the Western branch and you had religious leaders that were like emperors that were in the Eastern branch. So suddenly, watch this, you have two legs forming. One is Rome, and one is Constantinople, or we could say it this way, r- spiritual Rome, religious Rome, and the Byzantine Empire. You know what's really bizarre? The Byzantine Empire lasted for 1,000 years. 1,000 years. And that's the, that's, the, that's the dating that most scholars give, approximately 1,000 years. The influence... Because in 800, Charlemagne wanted to reform the Roman Empire. So if you go from 800 to 1800, where Napoleon, uh, this is getting into a lot of, could be very boring history here, you will find out that the Roman, churches, the Roman Catholic Church's influence was about a thousand years. Anybody know history knows what I'm talking about here? And if you're Catholic, you really know what I'm talking about because you know the history. So what's odd is both of these legs in their own way had great power in the earth for about a thousand year period. And then things begin to change and then things begin to shift. All right. Why am I showing you these legs of iron? Watch carefully. The Byzantine, let's just, let's just make this leg here, the Byzantine and we'll make this one. uh, Let's go eat. Let's do it this way because this is going to be easier. East and west. I say east and west. I say it again so you remember, east, east and west. Byzantine Empire, what does Daniel say about iron? Now we're gonna get into Russia here in a moment, but you got to understand history first to get there. What does iron represent? Ready? War and fighting. Iron is the metal in the Bible for fighting, and it is the metal for war. In, during the time of the Byzantine Empire, which would be the Eastern Empire, from the 5th through the 15th century, you ready for this? They had 133 wars. 133 individual separate wars. War here, war there. Go down here, war. War in the Middle East. Go back to Europe, a war. And they had a hunt. Now, that's that's a rough count. Some, some add a few. Some leave it there. Some that's a rough count, but that's a pro now think about this. So does, does the East leg represent iron and fighting? Yes. When <laughs> there's a, there's 133 wars on that leg, but that does, it doesn't end there. The, the suddenly the Western side of Rome starts coming alive and from the West, which would be Spain, France and Spain and that part, that would be, that would be considered to be Western Europe. In coalition with Rome, there were what were called the Crusades. And the Crusades were conducted by the Western half, not the East, but the Western half. Now sometimes East and West work together, but the thrust of it came from the area. So from I'm sorry, from 1096 to 12 91 there were five major and they called them crusades against the Muslims to get them out of the Holy Land to get them out of Jerusalem to get them out of that area to, they call it liberating the Holy Land from uh, Islamic influence. And so now you have these crusades where tens of thousands of people are being killed. So let me ask you a question. Does that indicate, and of course, now we don't want to get into this because this is a, this would be a side teaching, but the Spanish Inquisition, we could go into a lot on that Western leg that they were involved with. Someone i ask you another question, just based on what we know of history. Was there fighting with that Western leg? Yes. So why does God say that these two legs are iron? Because those two legs represent iron, Iron in the Bible is warfare. We're, oh, we're about to touch a neighbor and say we're about to go somewhere. <laughs> okay, we, we are, we're 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 uh, we're about to go somewhere. So, you track with me here. Now, now let's get off of the legs, which is east and west, which is Byzantine Empire, Roman Empire, 1,000-year period of time. And let's go to the two feet. Because most people put all of this together and just run it together and you can't do that. You cannot historically run all of this together. What you can do is say it stays east and west. You can say that all the way to the end. All the way till Jesus comes back, you can say there will be a split between east and west. All right? Then Daniel says this. Now, uh, the Greek poet in 700 B.C. took you to the iron. He did not see what God showed Nebuchadnezzar. Two feet of iron and clay, ten toes of wet clay and iron. See, the poet did not see that, the man I talked about previously. He did not see that. But God shows Nebuchadnezzar the completion. Boy, this is good preaching. I'm enjoying this. the, to the time of the, Now, y'all are going to learn something in a minute. You can go out here and say, hey, hey, we know now. Okay, this is why we do things like this. Now, look at the two feet, two different feet. One has to be west. AND ONE HAS TO BE EAST. WHEN DID IRON START MIXING WITH CLAY? IT IS VERY INTERESTING THAT ONE OF THE EARLY CHURCH FATHERS WROTE ABOUT THE BOOK OF DANIEL AND SAID THAT THE CLAY WAS DEMOCRACY. DEMOCRACY DID NOT START WITH THE UNITED STATES. DEMOCRACY STARTED WITH THE GREEKS. SO DEMOCRACY WAS KNOWN. And democracy is where the people are involved in the political system. You know, ecclesia is a word that, the, that is found in the New Testament uh, for the word church. If you were to say it in Greek, it's ecclesia, and it means uh, uh, the assembly of the called out ones. Did you know that in Greece, in ancient Greek, that an ecclesia meeting could be called publicly and the people could assemble together and overthrow their leaders by a vote? That's what the Eccles said. And so when America, (laughs) I'm not trying to start something here, folks. Just trust me. I've been through enough craziness without Perry Stone starting something. Okay, I did not say overthrow anything. You watching, I did not say. I'm giving you some history lessons. So what happens, what happens, and this is important to understand it, is if we understand that the clay is connected to democracy, and I do believe it is, the common people, the people rising up, It doesn't mix with the fighting and the wars of iron. So let's let's ask ourselves a question. So when did we start getting into, technically speaking, if the Byzantines lasted for a thousand years and up at the time of Napoleon in France, the Roman church had the complete influence until the breaking up there in France. And some of you know about that. I'm talking very brief history here. It's much more detailed than that. Then it had to be after the 1800s somewhere where two feet start forming between the east and the west, and they have to be a mixture of clay and iron. It's very simple if we just go back to history. In 1917, during the Bolshevik Revolution, communism became the belief system based on the ideology and the writings of Karl Marx. Now watch carefully. So in 1917, at the conclusion of World War I, during a revolution in the Soviet Union, or what we call today Russia, it would have been called Russia, ready? There is suddenly something that happens and you start getting two symbols that start proving it. You get a flag that is an iron sickle and a hammer. AND YOU GET SOMETHING THAT WAS KNOWN FOR 70 YEARS AS THE IRON CURTAIN. NOW YOU'RE SEEING WHERE WE'RE GOING. DON'T JUMP AHEAD OF ME. I'LL COME OUT THERE AND HAVE TO HIT SOMEBODY IF YOU JUMP AHEAD OF ME. NOW DON'T DO THAT. I'M NOT GOING TO HIT NOBODY. YOU SEE WHAT I'M SAYING? So, SO IN 1917, THERE'S THIS DIVISION THAT IN THE EAST, IT'S COMMUNISM. They, WHAT DO THEY START TAKING OVER? EVENTUALLY, EVENTUALLY, BULGARIA. Romania, all those countries that you have seen, Poland, everything east all the way into Russia starts coming under, even even China's called in the last days the kings of the east. What are they? They're communists. So suddenly you have iron, dictatorship, arresting people, beating people, controlling people. We all know this is in history. But then you have on the West, what happens in France and Britain and England? What happens more in the West? What happens through the United States? It's democracy. So from 1917 all the way through, and I don't know if you know this, Hitler hated the communist. And that's why Russia rose up to fight him. So there's this whole thing here again of, of iron. Of course, he was a part of the iron actually, but you have the iron and the clay, meaning the iron is fighting, the iron is warfare, the iron is oppression, the iron breaks in pieces. Now, all of this is not something I'm making up. This is all right here in the book of Daniel. So, watch what happens now. So, from 1917, we come into World War II, and all the world powers, world leaders sit down, and they take Germany and split it east and west. One part of Germany is clay. There's liberty, there's freedom, there's connections with the West. The other part is communism and they have to deal with the Soviet Union and communism. There's your example of a mix of the iron and the clay just with one country. And then when we move forward, we see something begin to happen. Se- Everybody say 70 years. 70 years. From 1917, 17, 20 I hope I can do this right because I'm really terrible with math. 1727, 37, 47, 57, 67, 77. How many years? 70 years. 1987. What began to happen? What began to happen, and it didn't happen immediately that year, but it started happening, the Jews eventually in 88, 80, 90, 90 started coming out of Russia back to Israel. Mikhail Gorbachev began to start something called Glasnost in which he worked with Reagan. He worked with the Democrats to be, uh, not the Democrats, but with the uh, democracy. And he began to collapse the Soviet Union to give freedom to the people. And suddenly you had something really weird happening. Now watch this, but wait, wait, you're still gonna have to have iron and clay. So where does the next iron and clay start? Ready, 1979, called the Iranian Revolution. And suddenly, we have a new iron on the block, and we have dealt with that iron through terrorism. And that iron is, and by the way, let me just say this, there are many moderate Muslims, there are many Muslims, they'll come and visit me, stay at my home, they're good friends. We're, you know, Shweki, that's his background, one of, my, one of my dearest friends I've got, he would, he would give me anything, he'd give me the shirt off his back because he's open to the, to the, you know, he's open to the word, in other words, to the truth. But if you look at eight, um, 1979, they took our embassy hostage in the country of Iran for 444 days. And from the beginning of that, you have a hardness, um, a more radical element rising in Persia, then it spreads to, into Afghanistan and it, it spreads into these other countries of the world. It spreads through the Middle East, it spreads through Syria and Lebanon. So now what we've had for years, actually beginning in 1979 is another level of east and west. Where are the more radical Islamic nations in the east? Where are the more moderate ones? Toward the west. Okay. And that shows you again another division because communism began to collapse. So now we come into another type of iron and clay And this is real interesting because with the original iron and clay from 1917 to 1979, it is a political iron and clay. And then we come into this other one and it becomes a spiritual almost iron and clay. All right. Is everybody everybody still tracking? Say amen. Amen. Here's my point. Because of the iron and clay, the Arab Spring started breaking forth. Anybody remember the Arab Spring? Egypt. And then it went into Saudi Arabia, and Jordan, all these countries. And suddenly the younger generation of young people began to rise up and say, we want freedom, we want democracy, we want to have cell phones, we want to have access to the internet, we're tired. And so they went to the streets. You remember that. This was years ago. They went to the street and there was something started called the Arab Spring. And what was strange was it went real strong for about a year or two But then the iron showed back up. Why? Because Daniel said the iron will mingle itself with the seed of men, but it will not adhere to one another. So the iron and iron being dictators and being leaders Saddam Hussein was one that just, he torture his own people. He'd kill his own people. If the press didn't like, if he didn't like the press article, he'd call the journalist in and shoot him. That's happening now. Different part of the world, but it's happening now. So the point is that we still see, no matter how we cut it, we still see what? Iron which is war, trying to mingle with the seed of men, but the seed of men, and here's the part, here's the part that people have to remember. And I feel a real unction to say this, and I'm gonna be careful because this will later be on the internet, and I try, to, I try to step around as much as possible because I want as many people as possible to hear what I'm saying. But, but the thing is this, the reason that you see, for example, Ukrainian people fighting is they have been free. Can I give you an illustration that I use in a book sometime back? True story. A man who was a young boy when he was a little boy went to the zoo with his parents. And they went to the park that had the eagles. And he said that what it was, it was a natural park with trees and water and waterfalls. But it was all fenced in. The eagles could not get out. And he said there were two eagles. They were perched up on a tree. They were just looking and watching and looking up in the air. And there was one on the right that had the talians grabbing that cage, that wire cage. And he'd flap his wings and start shaking it like he was trying to tear that cage apart. Well, the little boy looked there and couldn't figure it out. How come the others are so happy? How come they're not trying to go over there and shake the cage loose like the other one? And the man who was the guide at the zoo made this statement. Well folks, I guess you can tell the difference between the eagles that were born in captivity and the one that was born free. The Ukrainian people have had a taste of democracy and freedom. Ministers have gone over there to preach the gospel. Bibles are there. We have been on television there and we have thousands. You know, every time you whew, every time that you come to a main event or a prophetic summit and I show you those clips, do you know where they're coming from? All of them have come out of the Ukraine. All those people being saved, those are Ukrainians. We have tens of thousands of people that have been influenced by the ministry in the Ukraine. Somebody needs to praise, I just think we need to give God the glory. <laughs> so here's what happens. The reason iron, and let's talk about this, Russia, being the iron. Coming into Ukraine, which is a a taste of democracy, tell me what happens when you put the iron and clay together. Talk to me. What have I said? It doesn't what? That's why there's a battle going on. Because when you've had a taste of freedom, you don't wanna go back under bondage. It's just like when you've been saved and touched by the power of God and your life has been changed and you've been transformed. You don't want to go back to the mental spiritual prison that the Lord delivered you out of. Come on, somebody, and brought you out of. You want to stay free. Mm. Okay. Now, the iron and clay birth pains. This is the part that the Holy Spirit, and I want you to follow me because we're going to get into some very strange things in a minute. (laughs) why is that not odd for me? (laughs) I don't understand it. When we get to where we're headed and here's where we're headed, we will eventually head toward five Kings from the East and five Kings from the West who are going to form an eighth empire under a man called the Antichrist. The Antichrist rules 10 Kings It's the 10 horns on Satan, which are the 10 kings. It is the 10 toes in Daniel chapter 2, which are 10 kings. And you see this number 10 in Daniel and in the book of Revelation coming up, representing 10 nations who will give their kingdom. This is in Revelation chapter 17. They give their kingdoms in one hour to the beast. And you want me to tell you why they give their kingdom to the beast? Because the Antichrist does something militarily to a place called Mystery Babylon the Great that creates a smoke in the atmosphere that men are afraid of the smoke and it says they're afraid of the torment caused by the smoke and they stand afar off for fear of the smoke, which, my friend, is nuclear. It's nuclear. So when this man, the Antichrist, whoever he may be, uses these weapons they capitulate to him and in one hour give their kingdoms over to him they just give them over don't do that to us don't battle us that way so that's the 10 kings so there has to be five from the east and there will be five from the west it has to stay this way this is what i want you to understand Uh, you know can i say something to you my prophecy preacher friends whom I admire greatly and many of them are in heaven. And I hate to bring this up because if I'm going to say this was taught, I would rather them stand here with me to be able to answer what they believe. And I'm serious. This is how I am. I'm not this know-it-all. You know, I'm not going to be that way at all. I just, I believe what I believe, but these men would teach that the 10 toes were the 10 nations of the common market. Well, that was before there were 25 nations. Now you got to understand something. If we make the common market those 10 toes, they all gotta be on one foot because they have to be Western entities. Do you know that uh, certain countries have tried to get into the common market and have not been able to get in and Turkey was one of them? Stay with me now. Anyway, I could go there, but I better not go there because I'm trying to keep this simple. So in other words, there has to be five from the East and five from the West that capitulate to the Antichrist. So let's go back to this for a moment. I want you to notice with me the spiritual separation that happens according to Matthew 13, Matthew 25, and several other verses. Number one, separation of the sheep from the goat, separation of the wheat from the tear, separation of the good fish from the bad fish in the net. So there's the separation idea separation idea found in parables related to the time of the end. Notice this, John chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. The vine that does not produce fruit my father will clip it and cut it. Now that's great because if you're a fruit producer you just think you have escaped getting clipped and trimmed. But that is not what Jesus said. He said, and those that produce fruit will be clipped. So that they may produce what? There you go. You've heard it taught. You know what I'm saying. So sometimes when we're going through this stuff, it's like, oh, Lord God, why me? Can't you pick somebody else? Would you tell the devil to knock on the other door, okay? Really and truly, you're going through this, but you have to understand men... Intend it for one thing, but God intends it for something else and what the devil means for evil God means for good to turn it around and bring forth fruit that you've never had in your life before So in other words, I'm gonna break this I'm gonna break this iron and clay down spiritually and show you this (laughs) You're gonna either be an iron believer or a clay believer You're either going to be someone that wants to fight all the time, complain all the time, criticize. Ooh, I'm preaching. It got quiet in the house. Well, anybody? Knock, knock. Is anybody home? You're going to either be iron or clay. I'm serious. You're going to either be one of those that you're always tearing somebody down, always criticizing somebody, always finding somebody's fault, always attacking somebody because you're just mean. Like You're, you're like a Pharisee clean but mean. They were clean on the outside, but they were mean on the inside. Are you going to be clay? What is a clay believer? Pliable in the hands of the potter. And the Bible says, I went to make a vessel, but I didn't like the way it came out. So I made me yet another vessel. He does not, You. oh by God, I feel the Holy Ghost. He does not take a vessel he's forming off the potter's wheel and throw it on the ground and say, I'm done with you. He smashes it back down to nothing. And then he puts his fingers back in there and rebuilds it. Then he says, there's something I don't like yet and he pushes it back down again and some of you and even us even I can say this we've been pushed down and we've got back up and we got pushed down again and we got back up but I'm going to tell you what Jesus is trying to do he's trying to make a perfectly symmetrical vessel take it off the potter's wheel put it through the fire till it starts singing cause you know when the vessel is done because it sings inside of the furnace and then bring it out and show the world here's what a vessel is supposed to look like Hallelujah when I'm finished with it glory to God hallelujah <laughs> So I just want to I want to look at the spiritual application don't be someone that is hateful and mean like iron You don't iron represents a hard heart clay represents a tender heart Keep your heart tender toward God, toward the things of God. Okay, now the iron and the clay does not mix. Notice this. When they built Solomon's temple, it says no iron tool was heard when they cut the stones. Have you ever wanted to know why that when Solomon built the temple, he refused them to have them chiseling on rocks on the temple mount? Because if you'll read your Bible, for six years he had a worship team out there. I'm going to say it again. They were worshiping and singing. The whole time, they're working, and he got worshiping and singing, and he didn't want chisels drowning out the praise. Iron represents fighting. He said, if we're going to sing in this house and worship in this house, we're not going to have no fighting going on in this house. That's my metaphor for you. Come on, somebody help me praise God now. (laughs) Okay. Don't let people at you as clay don't let people try to throw their iron on you. Don't let people try to mingle iron with your clay. Can I tell you why? Because it don't mix. Mm. James said it this way, bitter water and sweet water cannot come out of the same fountain. I'm gonna stand here and look at you just like you're looking at me for a while. <laughs> I know that it sinks down till it gets in, till it gets in your spirit. See, I don't want to be polluted or corrupted with other people's offenses. I see people all the time on the internet trying to pull people into their idea, their lies, their manipulation, their intimidation, their uh, domination, and there's something called block that's on my system. And I'm going to tell you something, if you ever come on Perry Stone's Facebook page and you're acting like a dummy, we're going to treat you like one and block you too. Thank God I got to block, 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 block. Because we've got to understand in these last days, we have to be in the area of edification, exhortation, and comfort because people are terrified out of their wits right now. Now, I'm not not saying this to scare anybody because we don't know what'll happen. We're standing here right now, at least we don't know. But Russia has threatened to even cut off the fertilizer, the nitrogen that we get that goes to our farms. Anybody ever farmed before knows? And if you farm big farms, you have to use that stuff, don't you? I mean, you have to use it to grow effectively. And if that happened, if that happened, it's a worldwide disaster on a third of the world's food supply. People said, well, we should cut off the oil and the gas. Do you know what you'd be paying if that suddenly happened? I mean, it's high now. What I'm saying is what we see happening in one nation because of its location, because of its location to Europe, if they knock out a nuclear power plant, not only does radiation start killing people and people are suffering. I'll talk about that in a moment, but just, just the idea itself of power going into Europe, Europe could literally, and this is why they're so careful right now. Europe could go into a total economic collapse, complete collapse. Are you still hearing me? Well, brother stone, that scares me. Why should it scare you when Jesus is coming? Real believers should never be afraid of what they say. We should pray with people, support people, get behind these organizations, humanitarian help, not let people suffer, do the best we can as believers. But there is, Jesus said to his disciples, all these things must come to pass. But he said this words, see that you be not troubled. He made it very clear. I'm getting ahead of myself, but let's keep going. You ready? So the iron and clay does not mix. Now here's where we're at. Here's where we're at. Because we're coming to feet of iron and toes of iron and clay, and there's a mixture, it means that there's going to be a lot of what we call wars of prophecy that's coming very soon. I'm going to divide these up for you. There are wars that are stepping stones, and then there are wars that are milestones. Now, a milestone is something that marks the event, and it's major, and it is leading to major fulfillments. A stepping stone does not necessarily mean that it has any prophetic fulfillment, but it has a prophetic implication. One is a fulfillment, one is an implication. Let me just give you some ideas of stepping stones. When you see a nation rising against a nation, that can be a prophetic stepping stone. When you see World War One, that's a milestone. When you see World War II, that's a milestone. When you see the Holocaust, that's a prophetic milestone. When you see Israel becoming a nation after World War II, that is a why do I say it's a milestone? Because there are places in Ezekiel chapter 37, the Valley of Dry Bones, there are other verses that really specifically tell you that these particular things are going to happen and are going to take place. Now Uh, let me just talk to you for a moment because there's been a lot of questions coming. One reason I wanted to kind of step out and do this is because this will save my staff from answering Several hundred emails, and then coming to me saying, "People want to know, do you think the big thing that most people know? If you've ever heard prophetic preaching, all the way back to Jack Van Impe or or or, uh, Grant Jeffrey or J.R. Church or even myself, then you know we have been telling people for years that there's a big battle coming, which is the biggest prophetic battle that either could happen before the rapture, may happen during the rapture, may happen after the rapture, because it's the only place in the Bible seven years is mentioned uh, burning weapons. And that is the war of Gog of Magog. Now you will go to the internet today. And if you look it up, everybody is talking about Gog and Magog. I mean, people that don't know a thing about the Bible is talking about Gog and Magog. I mean, really, and they're trying to calculate and make predictions. Now, the reason I don't, jump on something when major news stories break is I like to see where is this going? Now there are things God will give you in a dream or a vision that he will show you where something will end up in the long run, but it's better to sit back because all of a sudden you start making predictions and boy, you could miss it real bad. I remember in about 78 or was it 79 that I preached to the Antichrist was because everybody was saying it. It was Anwar Sadat making peace with Israel. Well, there's the peace treaty and it's with Egypt in Daniel chapter 10. And they shot Sadat. And then when they shot him, bless his heart, and the man was horribly assassinated, they said, he's coming back from the dead because the deadly wound's got to be healed. Well, I'm waiting for Sadat to raise from the dead. And uh, bless his heart, uh, the, the, that great uh, peacemaker, he didn't raise from the dead. So in other words, I had to get up and say, well, I guess I knew who the Antichrist was until they killed him because he wasn't the antichrist. That's my point. He was not, he was a peacemaker. And because of his connections, people read into that. I'm careful about talking about the war that is taking place, here's why. We don't know where it's going. Everything is speculation. They could sit down and make an agreement. They could give them the edges and let the Ukrainian people keep the rest. This could go on for a long time. We don't know. And then they're saying, oh, he could come in and take this part and he can take that. Look, everything is speculation. Can I tell you something? I like to keep up with the news to see facts, but I don't like all the speculation because people get so afraid of what they speculate because of the news. And can I tell you what happens is you worry about stuff that doesn't even happen the way they told you it was going to happen. And you look back on it and say, well, that didn't happen, did it? Okay. So having said that, I got a call last night from my friend, Jensen Franklin. And Jensen and I were talking about Uh, some things that I won't talk about publicly with you, but some some political things and some things of that nature because he's really connected in certain realms. And we were talking about this and I said, do you agree? He said, absolutely. What you're saying is exactly the way I feel about it. So the reason I say that is in the mouth of two, what happens? Every word gets established. Gog and Magog is a war mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39. And in this war, what happens is that there is an Islamic coalition THAT COMES TOGETHER AND THEY COME TOGETHER WITH SOMEONE IN THE northern, NORTHERN AREA ABOVE JERUSALEM AND ABOVE ISRAEL AND THIS PERSON IN THE NORTH UNITES A COALITION and they end up in two places in Israel. They end up in what's called the the Bashan, or the Bashan, or the Bashan, which is mentioned in the book of Ezekiel, and that is known as the Golan Heights. If you want to know where it is, it's the border of Lebanon and the border of Syria, and it's miles and miles and miles of farmland, or it's miles and miles of volcanic rock, or it's miles and miles of mountains. And by the way, we're going. They, uh, Israel has opened up, so the Lord willing, we're taking our trip in November. And if you haven't gone with me, you haven't gone with the best there is. Okay. Just, no, I'm not. I'm just telling you, we have the best trip going. We pay, everything's paid for all that kind of stuff. So anyway, we're going and I love the Golan Heights. I absolutely am crazy about this part of Israel. It's one of my favorite places, but it says that a battle will happen there. Then it says in the Valley of the Passengers on the east of the sea is the second location where these great armies are going to come in Israel. Now, that is the border of Israel and the country of Jordan along the east bank of the Jordan River, uh, kind of in the area of Mount Nebo, outside of Jericho, all that strip of land. And by the way, there is huge, there are huge farms for miles and miles on both sides of the Jordan River. And I'm going to bring that out in just a minute. Now, it says, I'm against you, O Gog, G-O-G. CHIEF PRINCE OF Meshech AND TUBOL. NOW LISTEN TO ME WHILE I TALK ABOUT GOG AND MAGOG. WHY IS IT THAT GOG AND MAGOG IS MENTIONED IN EZEKIEL 38 AND 39, AND IT'S A WAR WHEN ISRAEL IS DWELLING SAFELY, AND IT'S A WAR AT THE TIME OF THE END AND THE END OF DAYS, AND THEN AT THE END OF THE 1,000-YEAR REIGN OF CHRIST, What Satan is loosed from the pit, right? Now in Ezekiel 38 and 39, Satan's still on the earth. He hasn't been bound, but in Revelation, he's bound. And then at the end of the thousand years, it says, and he goes forth to the nations of Gog and Magog to stir up. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold. hold on. I thought Gog was the leader or the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal who comes here. Then why has he reappeared at the end of days to come against Jerusalem and and the saints? Because ready, listen to me very carefully. Gog is not a man. Gog is a demon. He is the strongest principality that rules in the northern part of the world. And that's why he appears in chapter 38 as chief prince. Chief prince is a phrase used about Michael the archangel, the chief prince of the nation of Israel. So this is a spiritual chief prince. Now, does he use a man? Yes, so don't make, don't make this an invisible battle. This Gog demon that is a dangerous spirit that has been connected for years, are you listening, in the north country, that is the king of iron. Oh, that come out of my mouth just there. He's like the king of the iron the king of war, the king of battle. So Persia, Ethiopia, Libya, Gomer, uh, Tugarma in the north quarters, all of the the bands, B-A-N-D-S is used in Ezekiel. It's uh, 41 times that word bands is used, three times it's used here, and it means a crowd of troops. Like there's so many, they're like a cloud coming in is what the scripture says. And the root word means to push gore or to defeat. So they're actually coming in to try to defeat. Now, Jensen asked me uh, yesterday what I thought about this statement. And I'm gonna give you something and I want you to pay attention because the next two statements I'm gonna make are extremely interesting and might be the most interesting ones of this entire message. God says this, and I want you to listen to how it's worded in Ezekiel, talking about Gog. Magog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and these nations. You're going to come down, but I'll turn you back and put a hook in your jaw and bring you forth. Let's say it again. You're coming down. See, everybody's talking now. Where are they going? Where are they going? They're going to end up here and up there. No, God says, it looks, it looks like you're coming down, but I'm going to stop it to hold you back. Then I'm going to put a hook in your jaw. Now, all my life, to David Allen Lewis, to Grant Jeffrey, to, and I knew all these men except Lewis, I never met him, but the, the 15 prophecy ministers that I got to preach with as a kid. And you talk about an honor. You know, I'm, the, I'm a Tennessee preacher from West Virginia with the kid, the new kid on the block. And I'm up there with Walford, who has a PhD, and I'm up there with this one that's got a doctorate degree, and I'm up there preaching my stuff. and, I thought, boy, this is really going to go over good. And I had Billy Graham's right-hand man come up to me crying saying, son, that was the greatest prophecy message I ever heard, and I like to pass out. I went, are you really serious? I thought the guy was just making that. He said, no, I've worked with Billy. I was one of his associates. And what I did, I I did Genesis backwards, chapter 11 to chapter one, to show the future. That was the message, and no one had ever heard that. And it it, it is an unusual message. So I'm not boasting on myself. I'm just saying, I got to preach with these great men. It was very humbling, man, as a kid to preach with these great men. All right. I remember them discussing, what's the hook in the jaw? The hook in the jaw was the wealth of the Dead Sea. Well, it can't be that. You know why it can't be that? Because Jordan has split the Dead Sea down the middle with Israel, and Jordan owns half of it, and Israel owns half of it. Israel don't own all that, and most of those minerals found in the Dead Sea can be found in other places on earth. Potash and things of that nature. Okay, then it was oil. Well, the problem with Israel and oil is Israel ain't got no oil. They got gas fields that are worth a lot in the Mediterranean. But as far as finding oil, all the oil, the Arabs got the oil. I can show you that from the scripture. The Jews got the land for farming. Come on, somebody. With seven kinds of food, they'd be able to grow. But Ishmael got the oil. Preach on. I'm going to. Don't look at me funny. It's just true. And Then then they were talking about this other stuff. Okay, let me tell you, having been to Israel for 40 years, and watching it grow, that I can remember standing on top of Mount Nebo where Moses saw the promised land and looking, and everything in front of me was desert except a little patch called Jericho. It was the only green thing. 1986. The only green thing there. Is Charlie in the building? He'll verify what I'm saying. I like, to, uh, I like to always verify. He's in the back. Is that true, Charlie? Yell at me. Yeah. Okay, you heard it. <laughs> now, I go back. And like many, many years later, it's green, 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 green. Now, you don't have to go to Mount Nebo. Go to to the Sea of Galilee and start going all the way toward the Dead Sea, and let me tell you what you'll see. You will see farms on the right. You'll see banana trees. Come on, with plastic on them, growing plastic. No, that's a joke. You have to go there to understand the joke. Then you see in Jordan, how how many have been there the past, let's say three years ago, with me? Am I telling the truth? It is nothing but farms all the way down. It is nothing but, far in the, watch, in the area where they're going to attack northern Israel, it's about food. In the area of the valley of the passengers on the east of the sea, it's about food. That's why it's a hook in your jaw. Because what's going to happen is, now I don't want to speculate. Let, let, me, let me break it down this way. And let me see if this will make sense to you. April 1986, Chernobyl nuclear power plant. There was an explosion that took place. Over all of these years, there were several thousand killed, but over all these years, 60,000 people have been affected by the radiation, and that's over the years. The water in the area became undrinkable. If animals drank it, they started having babies without legs and all sorts of problems the animals did. It is interesting, and I'm not going to overdo this. I want to be careful that if you take Revelation eight eleven, I saw a star fall from heaven, and it had a burning like a lamp. And when it struck the earth, the waters became bitter, and the name of the star was Wormwood. Some of the Russian people noted, these were Christian people, that if you take the Greek... And translated back into the Ukrainian language, Chernobyl could translate as wormwood, which is bitter black herb. That's what wormwood is in the Old Testament. It was an herb that was bitter. So when Chernobyl had its incident, there was many people in that part of the world that were trying to compare it to the star that fell that made the water bitter. Now, it didn't have the effect at that time. This is very important you understand this. Although it was terrible, a terrible incident, but it didn't have the effect that the book of Revelation mentions. Are you still here? Say yes. Yes. But then it says that a star falls from heaven. Now, we know that the book of Revelation uses the word star for a metaphor for angels, if you've studied that. On November 12th, uh, I'm sorry, November 21st, 2021, Russia introduced a weapon called star warrior that they claim can destroy all 32 NATO satellites in the heaven. That NATO satellites control all communication, ships, missiles, and planes. How interesting that he uses the word star and those satellites will be destroyed. And If they're destroyed, the debris comes down to the earth. And if it would also affect power, Now, I believe it's a literal angel that comes down. I believe it's an asteroid that hits the earth. Let me make that very clear. Let someone say, boy, Perry's really preaching all this weird stuff. Oh, please be quiet. Listen to what I'm saying. (laughs) Listen to what I'm saying. i want to make this clear. But I do believe that when you begin to see that there can be what's called a prophetic parallel where it it talks about a star and here's a weapon called a star. It talks about wormwood and that word can relate according to some, to wormwood that radiation makes water bitter. And so an asteroid would do that, but also radiation would as well. I'm going to give you something that I'm almost done, but I want to give you this and want you to think about this for just a moment, because I really thought about this, uh, today about the food part. I won't go into detail because it's way too long and I would have to have my notes and I would miss something in it. But my wife will remember years ago, I had a vision of nuclear cooling towers. I saw them sitting and then I saw them spinning into a, a storm. I remember yelling at Pam, get all, get the kids to the house. And I saw bulls that had Texas, you know, like the longhorns that you see in Texas, the longhorn bulls, and it was the stock market and all the bulls were running because whatever happened at these nuclear power plants was literally so destructive that the stock market crashed. Let me make this clear. I'm not sure where this was, and I'm not sure when it happens. I know it will. And the Lord ha- has told me to release it. That's one of the reasons, that's one of the chapters in the book. There's other things I've seen, I won't go into detail with, I wanna stick with this. If a nuclear power plant is hit, there's a jet stream and the jet streams always go from west to east. We fly them. Took us three hours and what, 20 minutes to get to Dallas, two, two and a half hours to get home in our plane. You know Why? because when you go to Dallas, you hit the jet stream. When you come from Dallas, you're riding the jet stream. I've actually got on the jet stream when it was about, uh, on our plane, it would be like 80 miles an hour and you're going, Shh. You're, you're, it's like you're in a jet, you're moving so fast. But if, if everybody say, if. if, if a missile were able, and remember, remember these nuclear facilities have deep, deep, deep concrete. They are actually made to hopefully prevent a missile from getting into that area, but then, then the, the rods have to be cooled. That's the problem. But if something was hit that would produce a radiation cloud, Ukraine and Russia are the breadbasket for Asia and Europe. Wheat. Now that was just reported this morning. I did not know this, that if they were to cut the wheat off or if they affected the ability to do the wheat, one third of the world's wheat is gone. That's how much they transport. What if radiation got to it? Here's where where the story could come in. Everybody say "Could." could. God has come in. The spirit has come in. The war has come in. God has restrained them from moving into Israel. That's what he says there. Not that he restrains them from war, but he restrains them from, then people get hungry. Where do we get food? Folks, can I tell you something? Israel is growing the food. They have a drip irrigation system. They have underground water, and they do it a special way. And you can see farm after farm after farm after farm. They can feed everybody in their country. This is an old number. And at one time, they were sending 400% of everything they grew out to uh, just to the United States, New York, and Europe. Melons, cucumbers, tomatoes. In the wintertime in Europe, some of this food in grocery stores is coming out of Israel. It is, because I've been to Jordan. Jordan doesn't have the irrigation system and the water the way Israel does. I've been to Jordan. Been all over. I've, driven, I've driven hours going to Petra. Was there anything there to look at? Sand. Sand, and if you hit a town, buildings. Now, Amman is beautiful, but I'm saying outside of Amman, there's not much there as far as growth. Syria has been in a war. Anytime you have war, you have disruption of farming. Lebanon has been in a war. Anytime you have war, you have disruption of farming. Israel is the one place they can put this together. And I believe, and I'm going I'm to step out here and tell you, I, I did not hear this from the Lord. I'm going to give you a, a personal opinion. I believe it's possible that something happens to affect food supply. could be war. It could be uh, nuclear. Nu- a nuclear weapon would do it. Uh, it could be a nuclear power plant. Something happens somewhere in the north country at some point that they know that the only place to get food is those two areas. And guess what? This is the this is the weirdest part. It is the Bayshan that has the farms, and it is the Valley of the Passengers that has the farms. Yes. That is the part that just absolutely blows my mind. All right, let's look at this. Let's look at this. What is happening is a global reset and any way you cut it, it's the global reset that eventually leads to the 10 Kings that we mentioned in the Bible. But here's the part that I want to read to you. <laughs> in the days of these Kings, now this is our verse right here. Somebody say, this is our verse. Our verse. Woo. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. In the days of these Kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed yes. and the kingdom will not be left to other people it'll break in pieces and it will consume these kingdoms it'll stand forever Inasmuch as you saw now this is what the king saw the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands that's the messiah it broke in pieces the iron the bronze The silver and the gold. Now tell me, where did it hit? When this rock, who is the Messiah, returns, does it hit the head first? Where does it hit? It hits the feet and toes. And when it hits the feet and toes, every other area where these empires ruled suddenly will crash. And the Bible says in Revelation that the kingdoms of this world had become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ somebody praise put your hands together and give god praise my new book titled the visions contains specific details of visions and revelations involving future both national and international events from visions and encounters that i have recorded in my private journal i waited for the right prophetic season to disclose these warnings and events god's word states that if spiritual watchmen do not warn the people of the danger they see coming the watchman will be held accountable for what happens to the people. After experiencing much inner conviction in my soul, I sensed it was the right time to pin what I and others have seen. Much of this book covers warning visions, explaining what is coming and how to prepare. I've divided the visions into what was, what is, and what is to come. Here are some of the subjects I will cover in the book. Learn the four different types of spiritual visions. I explained ancient oracles exposing how leaders attempted to see the future. Visions of cities burning both present and future, including New York City. My father's vision of a planned East Coast nuclear attack. Also, my recent visions concerning cremation ovens. I experienced a vision of a frightening assault on a public school that I want to share with you. I have for many years experienced tsunami visions And i've decided to release that information and include the locations that i have seen in those visions there is a vision of a nuclear power plant that initiates a stock market crash there's a vision of empty cities and empty streets that i believe is linked to the recent pandemic and possibly another pandemic coming the vision of the 10 mile radius bio weapons attack on london england and also i've seen in three different visions a strong earthquake impacting the Midwest, especially the St. Louis area. I also talk about the strange vision of three tornadoes that I believe cost Hillary Clinton her political future. I share a vision revealing future attacks on individual Christians and in churches. I also talk about when political leaders and their administrations lose divine favor with God. I have a section where I talk about 2024 and beyond and I've included what I believe to be an interesting historical parallel about a possible Trump second term, the coming revival through the lens of a camera. One of my favorite chapters that's gonna be very helpful to you is this, 10 rules and wisdom principles for surviving and thriving at the end. The book also has important instructions for the reader to follow. When you order this new book, I'm also including my two audio CD teaching, The Battle of the Two Marks. Which exposes the future mark of the beast and explains the mystery of the seal of God, both which are alluded to in the Book of Revelation. Give the new book and the audio CD now for your donation of thirty-five dollars or more. Ask for offer VS one forty-one. You can order at PerryStone.org or by calling toll-free one eight 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 twenty one bread, or mail your order to Perry Stone, P.O. Box thirty-five ninety-five, Cleveland, Tennessee three seven three two zero. I hope every prophetic student, intercessor, and those interested to know what is ahead will take time to order this new spiritual resource. I've written this in the fear of the Lord, but I believe it's now the time to release the messages. A remnant is now waking up and preparing. What about you?